racetracks around Australia. Here's Inside Motorsport. With Soundown on this weekend, I thought we'd take this opportunity to welcome to the show John Davison. John, a fantastic Tickford 500 you have lined up for us this weekend. We've got a record entry. The entry overall may have been bigger in the 70s when they allowed a lot of two-litre and one-and-a-half-litre cars. I think they each have up to 1,600. 1,600 to 2 litre, 2 to 3 and over 3 litre. That was going back when Moffat, those people, John Goss and so were racing in the late 60s, 70s and early 80s. But in terms of an outright V8 entry, we had 34 cars, which is the best we've ever had. And uh, that with the GTP race on, we believe we've got a fantastic program. I'm very, very pleased, really, with the growth of the event. Uh, I went through some pretty hard times at Sandown, actually, in 91, uh, when I only started with 12 cars and a delayed highlights package on the ABC at 11 o'clock at night, which is a far cry from what it is now with uh, 34 cars and six hours of live national coverage on uh, Network 10 that have done such a great job, I think, for motorsport. Telecast will start at 11 a.m. on Sunday, September the 13th, and the GTP called the OAMPS Insurance Endurance is the actual name of the event. That will start at 11.15 and go through to 12.15. Then there'll be the trophy presentation. Then there's a new AU Falcon demonstration. And then we have the countdown to the Tickford 500. This year, we're not going to have a grid walk. Uh, the amount of time or the elapsed time between the end of the uh, GTP one-hour race and the trophy presentation and the official procedures that are need to be complied with in terms of the teams going up for their warm-up and so on, preclude that. But because I don't charge, and I think I'm probably about the only circuit that doesn't, I don't charge the patrons admitted to the pit area. Um, we're going to have an autograph session from 11.30 to 11.50 uh, where they can walk along the back of the team's garage and the drivers will be there to do autographs. And this really is fantastic because it means the competitors aren't unnecessarily inconvenienced and the patrons don't have to pay for the privilege, which they often do at other tracks. So uh, we've always been, we've considered very innovative at Sandown, and I was out at the venue on Friday checking. With, I've spent a lot of money there recently on upgrading timing in the control tower and further improving all the car parks and pulling down fences so that the people can park on the banks. And it really looked absolutely magnificent. This year, every single race team that is planning to go to Bathurst has said we can't do without the 500. It is going to give us so much important data into what they're going to do later on at the FAI 1000. Yes, well Fred Gibson uh, back in 91, 2 and 3 and I think even 1994 didn't contest the 500. Um, he and I had a little bit of a difference of opinion I think and he decided not to support it. But I think they've all made the decision now that, um, number one, um, they really need a long distance event like this to get them into a mode. There is a difference between that and the sprint races. Um, you have to blood, I suppose to use a word, the second driver. Um, you have to be able to train your teams on the uh, brake pad and uh, tyre changing techniques and often people can fumble and they can lose the races in the pit as we often see in Formula 1 and Jamco racing. A lot of it depends today on the technique and experience of the mechanics. And also for the drivers to get to know each other and 
are also as simple things like some drivers' physiques are different than others, so the seatbelts need to be readjusted. The seats themselves may need to be slightly moved uh, in their tethering position. So there are a lot of things that are very important for them to do prior to going to Bathurst. I think Bathurst had a much greater penetration in terms of its awareness factor when Sandown was battling to get a good television package. But now that I've got Network 10, and it's important to recognise, Craig, that the contract with Sandown is independent of anything to do with the Vesco. See, I was the first circuit to go to Network 10 back in early 1996. Initially, as you may remember, not going back 25 years ago when it was called Channel O, and they used to televise things at Phillip Island and bits and pieces, it was frankly all very amateurish then, uh, the way they did it. The whole ownership has changed, and they did the uh, 12-hour race that Vince Tesserero was the promoter of at Bathurst, and I went and saw them about 1993 or 94, and frankly, they weren't interested. They had some fairly grave reservations as to whether motorsport would work, and they cited the 12-hour race as something that didn't seem to really endear a lot of interest by sponsors on the telegraph, and so on and so on, and it all appeared to have lain on fellow ground. And then I noticed in 1995 that they had moved into uh, buying the rights to the Motor World Superbike. And I'd heard rumours that they were going to negotiate to buy what was then called the IndyCard. So I rang them and flew to Sydney and saw them. And they said, well, look, we'd be very interested in your event because all the others appeared to be tied up with Channel 7, which the touring cars and Bathurst were. And subsequently, Bathurst caused the storm as we the fallout of which we're still seeing now with the two-litre race. So you are right, the contract I drew up with them um, is a five-year contract with a three-year option, and that provides an independent contract with Sandown to do the 500 that no doubt runs parallel to what they're doing with the rest of the V8 races, but it actually is a contract between 10 and me rather than through a VESCO, interestingly enough. Vesco, I've discussed this with Gary Kraft and people like this, all the um, Australian V8 supercar company that have been contracted to negotiate their commercial agreements, and they say, well, that's fine, John, you've got a contract that's not worth anything if the teams don't turn up. But, uh, I mean, ultimately, I don't believe that that confrontation will ever arise. The situation with Mount Panorama and the Seven Network and the ARDC will culminate in this two-litre event. Frankly, um, and I've always been reasoning to the point, I think the ARDC were absolutely, they were completely out of order the way they handled the whole thing. I used to ring up Ivan Stibbard and ask him repeatedly, he was the general manager, of course, if you're aware, Ivan, are you sure you're reading the situation correctly? Because, in effect, what Channel 7 want to do is to stop Channel 10 doing Bathurst while they're doing every other event which is not too dissimilar to one television station wanting to do all the home and away games and the first qualifying and the second semi-final and another station wanting to do the grand final. It simply won't work. And Seven, in fact, had in the middle of 1996, hence this is the reason that 10 decided to get involved, um, had made the decision that they were going to withdraw from touring car um, television. So 10 said, well, okay, then we'll enter into an agreement to do the Touring Car Championship at Bathurst. We already have Sandown with Davison. Um, and then Seven made the announcement that they weren't going to relinquish it, and this created a lot of problems, which has resulted in what I see as the most unfortunate set of circumstances.
circumstances, no doubt confusing for the public from time to time, that there appear to be two Bathurst races, both of which seem, by virtue of their own pre-event advertising and marketing and so on, claiming that they are the legitimate big-time Bathurst event. But I think this year, to be honest with you, Craig, is the Seven Network will obviously have to make a fairly reasoned consideration financially as to whether or not it's worth doing the two-litre event, given the fact that they simply don't pull the crowd. We, we believe that the V8 formula is the right one. In fact, uh, in 1990, uh, two, as you, you may or may not remember, Craig, I got myself into a little bit of trouble. I stood up at the Shell Media Conference after uh, the Sandown Touring Car Race in March 1992. Uh, the crowds were down, the Nissan GTRs had won, the BMWs were there, and frankly, the crowd were bored. You could see it. The grandstand was half empty, and I basically lambasted the formula and said, unless we go back to the generic Australian V8 category, of touring car racing in this country will be overtaken by NASCAR because people will definitely germinate to the big, grunty, big bang of V8. And Mike Raymond, to his credit, rang me a couple of weeks after that. A lot of people are not aware of this. And he and I had a long talk about where we felt the V8 formula was going. And then the Seven Network got behind it. Actually, at the time, the CAMs, through John Large and John Keith, who were the people that were running CAMs at the time, were actually trying to institute the two-litre formula. And it was Mike Raymond and Seven that partially pulled on CAMs, and this was never open to public debate, and a lot of people weren't aware, and actually forced John Large to make the announcement that we were going to go to the V8 formula. John Davidson, it's been a pleasure as always to have you on Inside Motorsport. Don't hesitate to give me a call, and to all the listeners, Thanks, uh, and I really enjoyed the opportunity. Ravel Steering is Canberra's longest established steering and suspension specialist. With their experience, there are no better people to turn to for shock absorbers, TRW tie rod ends and ball joints, polyurethane suspension bushes, and the famous king springs. Ravel Steering offer a range of wheel alignment and balancing, so call today to find out why your vehicle's steering and suspension can be maintained or improved by Ravel Steering. 28 Mort Street, Braddon, phone 6247-7711. Brad Jones picked up his second Australian Super Touring Car Championship last weekend. Colin Ford caught up with him and congratulated him on a fantastic effort. It's great to win. I'm, uh, um, you know, I probably don't sound it, but I'm really relieved and excited. It's a... a lot of hard work over the year for the whole team and so to, to finish up here and uh, be the champion again it's uh, fantastic for me and the team and everyone at Audi and uh, I'm really happy about it. The first race of course with the, the red flag situation where you, you were in the lead, you've taken the lead from Cameron as the red flags came out, that probably put you on the back foot for a second there when that happened? Well I sort of thought that I was leading across the line and, and then we came around and we nearly finished the second one and I always figured I went back to that lap so I was a bit miffed about the whole thing but at the end of the day, I, I really thought that it would come down to whichever one of us won, and, and I was on pole for the second race, and that would give me a good start, and that's how it happened, and then away we went. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, and it all happened so late, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's, God, it seems like it was a year ago. Now, you're saying that the tyres during the latter part of the race start to get a bit, bit iffy. Um, do you think the, the, the fact that it's been such a warm day today, was that playing into it at all? Well, actually, the, the L's work better on a warm day, but... I was sliding around trying to stay at about the same pace as Cameron, and so once he came in for his stop, he stopped about six or seven laps earlier than I wanted to. But I really needed to have him in my view, either behind or in front, 
to be able to maintain the right pace. And so I elected to come in and put the tyres on to try and stay in front of him. And as it turns out, it didn't quite work that way. But, but um, you know, it's, it was the same for everyone. Cam was saying he had tyre problems and, you know, the, the right rear felt like it just, you know, was not there anymore. But they did the job and we won the race. And uh, Michelin's a big change for us this year. And really, by and large, they've done a great job. So this is at this stage the only championship that Audi's won around the world this year. Well, yeah, that's true. I think there's a couple other that they're close to, but I'm sure they'll be extremely relieved and pleased that they've they've gagged one. And uh, and you know, front wheel drive cars are really competitive at the moment. And whether we're running Quattro's or front wheel drive cars next year, I think that um, we'll be on the pace. For more Australian motorsport news, choose the newspaper with the most motorsport news. For subscription details, email msnews at corplink.com.au. Motorsport news. Proud partners of Inside Motorsport. Top heel Tony Galea joins us now, and Toppy uh, racing once again at the Canberra International Dragway. Round three of the winner series. This is uh, the final decider, and we're going to have a, a yet again a huge field of uh, cars, ranging from your uh, wild bunch cars right down to your junior drags, uh, super sedans, your big field of uh, all your tin top cars. I mean, the last uh, last meeting we had 80 sedans show up, and that was divided between the Super Sedan boys and the Super Street guys, and then you have your modified on the Saturday, the Cap the Weekend off. Uh, first up, they're going to have the Nostalgia boys. That'll be from 9 in the morning until 5 in the afternoon. We'll have the Nostalgia guys. And then Saturday night, we've got the Fast Fours and Rotaries. It's the Rotary Nationals here in Canberra. Um, that'll be going on from 5 until 10. And then Sunday, we'll have our, our Round 3 of the Winter Series. He's won two, the two meetings. I mean, I think he probably tried to do the hat-trick. I mean, um, he's been having a lot of success with that car. He went up to the Winter Nationals, and I think he... He made it almost into the finals and then come back down to Canberra and there he is, he's uh, taking out the first and then the second meeting. I mean, he's up against pretty tough competition. He had the likes of uh, Mick Force with that big block, nice of powered hatchback Tirana. And plus he had people like Steve Herschel with his little LJ Tirana who took out the point score series for the summer season for the trip to the USA. It was for more Australian motorsport news, choose the newspaper with the most motorsport news. For subscription details, email msnews at corplink.com.au. Motorsport News, proud partners of Inside Motorsport. Thanks for being with us once again. I hope you can join us next time on Inside Motorsport. Inside Motorsport is produced by Thunder Media in the studios of Triple SFM Canberra via Comrade Sat with the support of the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia.